You're listening to Podcateers. Welcome to episode 478 of Podcateers. This week, we begin a quest to properly hydrate Andrew. We provide some updates on the SAG-AFTRA and WGA strike and talk about some interesting comments made by a former Disney Channel star. We talk about new comments from Bob Iger and the recent price increases to streaming services, quick updates on Disney Dreamlight Valley and Disney's latest game for the Switch, Island of Illusion, more info on our Teambo Willie fundraiser benefiting the Children's Hospital of Orange County, also known as Chalk, and we wrap things up with our history segment, Great Moments with Mr. Andrew, with some facts about 1987 and 1988. For more information on our auctions benefiting the Children's Hospital of Orange County, make sure that you're following us on Instagram. We will be posting information there. If you have any questions, please feel free to ask us uh, any questions that you may have. Uh, you can also connect with us on Discord if you haven't yet joined the community. Super simple. Head over to podcateers.com slash links and you'll find a Discord link there for you to join us. Our first auction is going to be going up on August 17th at noon Pacific time. It's going to run for 24 hours. More info in the episode and also on our Instagram. Our goal is to raise $500 before the end of August and you can help us get there with a small donation or joining the team to help us raise money. You can go to teamboatwilly.com, which is just like Steamboat Willie, but without the S, or you can go to chalkwalk.org slash teamboatwilly. Every little bit helps, so anything that you can give is greatly appreciated. We'll also have more information on the 24-hour pin sale that we're going to be having coming up very soon. So again, make sure that you're following us on Instagram for more information. We'd love for you to join the conversation on our social networks, including Instagram and Facebook, but we invite you again to join us on Discord. As I stated a moment ago, the easiest way to get there is to head over to podcateers.com slash links and click on the Discord button to join the community. That's also a really great place to see our latest episode, a link to the Quizneyland playlist, a link to our YouTube channel, a link to Larry's YouTube channel, Goofy Guys Adventures, and more, including uh, links to some of our fundraisers. So podcateers com slash links is a really quick access place to find all of our most common links a very special thank you goes out to an awesome group of people known as the fgp squad our podcast fairy godparents because it's their support via patreon that help make these episodes of podcateers possible as part of the fgp squad family you get some additional perks like discount codes to podcateers gear additional content that we've uploaded to patreon access to our happy hour calls when we get an opportunity to do those for more information on how you can become part of the FGP Squad family, we invite you to check out podcateers.com slash FGP. And as always, a super special thank you goes out to the FGP Squad for their continued support. So that's going to wrap up the intro. Again, please feel free to reach out to us if you have any questions on donating or joining the team or any of the auctions that we're going to be holding for Chalk. Uh, but until then, if this is your first time hanging out with us, welcome. We hope that you enjoy the episode and that you come back for more. And of course, if you've been hanging with us for a while now, welcome back, friends. Here is episode 478 of Podcateers. Let me tell you, you definitely, and I was telling Mel this before you jumped on the call today, but um, I bought these 
hydration mix things, right? These mm-hmm. Vita cocoa mix things. And the only reason I bought it was because it has the coconut flavor in there. It's got a watermelon and a lemon lime one. Mm-hmm. Tried all of them as soon as I bought it. Sadly, the coconut one, which is the one I really wanted, did not taste as much like coconut. So it was kind of disappointing. More like sunblock? The or? watermelon? Ugh. It, it. I mean, I would have <laughs> probably preferred sunblock, to be honest. <laughs> it wasn't even that good. The watermelon one, very similar to a Jolly Rancher. Hey. I was really surprised. That was kind of a win. I was kind of okay that it was a flavor, but it was a super bonus that it was kind of Jolly Ranchery. The lemon lime one, it's my least favorite in the packet. Uh-huh. And so I went in for a drink. I got I went and I got some water, you know, and I was like, all right, cool, it's time for a drink. There's only lemon lime ones left in there. <laughs> and I got to drink them because I paid for them, right? But mm-hmm. now I'm like, ah, should I just drink my water? as water like should i not dress it up should i just hydrate with water <laughs> like, i so don't want to drink the, the lemon lime ones are these the uh they're like the hydration plus three yeah. times hydration blah, 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 yeah. blah, blah. so do those antioxidants and all yeah. that stuff so do those ones specifically have this is gonna get real in the niche but i've been trying to find drinks that don't don't have either sucralose or aspartame in them um, because a, does not agree with my stomach for some reason, and everything that is zero calorie whatever has one of those two in it, and it's like very annoying. Yeah. So this one, I wish I could tell you was sugar free. Uh-huh. It's absolutely not. Uh, they do have some grammages of sugar, but if it's, uh, but it's this regular is, sugar, it's cane sugar. Okay. Well, then that should mean uh, there that there's are... no sucralose or aspartame in it. I'm fine with sugar. It's probably less sugar than a freaking Dr. Pepper, that's for sure. How much is in a Dr. Pepper? I don't know, a lot. Like probably 40 grams. 40, 40 yeah. grams or so. That, yeah. Because that's pretty right. common. I think a yeah. Coke has about 40. Uh, these have seven. Okay. Well, that's less. Yeah. Way less. <laughs> less is better. Send me the link and I'll look at it. Maybe maybe yeah. these will be. Yeah, I'll do that. Because I've been drinking. I'm like, I'll drink a Gatorade in the morning, and those have so much freaking sugar and all other kinds of freaking yeah. crap. I love Gatorade too. It's great. But yeah, you know, if I could cut down my sugar by you know a bit, it wouldn't be. It would probably be good for me. You know. I wish the coconut flavor was a little bit better. I got a great price on them too. There was like thirty in the packet and. Uh, I think it was like 15 bucks on sale. Do they so only make those like three flavors price. or do they have like another pack with like other flavors? Because um, if they had like an orange, you know, I know you're a big orange guy. Oh, man. Mm-hmm. So apparently on their website, they only have these three flavors. Dumb. So as far as hydration mixes are concerned, this is all they have. Hmm. Well, back to the so, drawing board. I'm trying to figure out. I don't know if anybody out there listening has a good flavored beverage that has less sugar than Gatorade, doesn't taste like disgusting, and doesn't have sucralose or aspartame in it, go on the Discord and let me know because I don't go shopping very often 
Well, no, I do, but I don't go to many different stores. I'm so used to sugary beverages. I'm like the soda king. I've said this probably for the past 10 years, maybe longer, maybe 20 years. How old am I? Um, (laughs) If I could just drink soda for my only nutrition, if I got all the nutrients I needed of just soda, I would. It's my favorite thing. You would. It's my favorite thing to consume. Like, it's the best. Yeah, you and don't even drink water. Maybe I sound like a drug addict or something. I don't know. I I, I drink. Here's my big water. I have it on the desk. Shaky shake. There's the ice in it. I drink that big water every day. I drink at least one of these big waters. This is the Hydro Flask. The, not the big jug one, but the one below that. Um, so I do drink water, but if I didn't have to... You know, if I could just drink Dr. Pepper and, uh, I don't know, other stuff, I would. But that's not how our, our uh, world works or bodies work. Because if if I just only drank Dr. Pepper, I'd probably have diabetes, like, in one hour. Oh, jeez. Like, I don't know. Diabetes. 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 Walter Brimley would be mad at me. Diabetes. Um, <laughs> but anyway, my tangent uh, still uh, reigns true. If you know of anything that doesn't taste like horrible grossness, because I can't stand the like the seltzer flavor. Because you were we were talking about bu- mm. uh, uh, buble the other day, yeah. and I tried. They had a can at the store. At uh, they had like the big like tall boy <laughs> at Walmart or whatever. And I was like, okay, I'll try it. I was like, it just tastes like seltzer. Everything just tastes like seltzer. I can't stand. I guess I could just train my. If I drank it enough, maybe it would it would uh, taste better. But I don't want to do that. I'm lazy, and I don't want to have to taste seltzer. It's gross. <laughs> but um, yeah. I guess if you do do something enough, you'll get used to it. But if somebody knows of something. Because I can't drink those Mio's anymore because they're making my eyes twitch. That's a whole other thing. Uh, oh, that's not good. So, yeah, that's yeah. they have the sucralose in it, I found out. I was drinking like I was drinking like two like giant bottles with Mio in them every day and then I was like, "Hmm, my eyes feel weird." <laughs> so, I stopped drinking that and my <laughs> eyes feel fine. So, I think I'm just allergic to all these artificial sweeteners. Um so yeah, anyway, this is a long intro tangent about uh, weird uh, allergies and drinks, but why don't we talk about something more interesting? Uh, again, anyone listening, if you can help Andrew find something that he can drink without messing him up, that would be fantastic. Join us I on Discord. Yeah, Let us know. Do that. I'll, Join yeah, Hydration Talk. on Hydration um, Talk, or, yeah. Not hydration talk. We're not on TikTok for that. Uh, join what? What would we call it on Discord? Well, it's the just hydration, hydration Discord talk. channel. T A L. Oh, hydration talk. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's what I thought you were saying. Um, no, I I'm so like your like TikTok my brain, brain is so like TikTok. Yeah, TikTok brain takes over sometimes. So yes, hydration talk on Discord. Join us yeah, there. Yeah. No, I can't. I can't. I don't. I'm the weirdest person on the planet, and it's okay. Like I've 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 grown to live with it. Like I don't like the taste of alcohol. That's not I weird, can't... man. That's well, it's just like I... so many people do it. Or, you know, they like it or whatever. I don't feel bad about it or anything. It's just like 
people are like, here's a beer. And I'm like, I can't, I can't, that tastes like freaking garbage water. Like, what are you drinking? Like, this is, can I, yeah. I will take a regular water over the beer. <laughs> I, I don't want to get into like an, uh, you know, our discussion about beer, but I'll tell you this much. All the majorly produced beer absolutely mm-hmm. tastes the way that you describe it. It's it's horrendous. It's it's garbage. The craft beer that I felt I got into was very flavorful. It really did have the different notes that were described on the bottles and in the descriptions uh-huh. of how it was brewed. So uh, I did get an opportunity to explore a lot of very flavorful beers. Yeah, uh, I did get an opportunity to explore a lot of flavorful wines as well. So I got to learn <sighs> a little bit about wines and stuff. But Sorry. that that I know that's an entirely <laughs> other conversation we can have, but... Let's jump into some other stuff. How about Hold that? on. I got one more thing I want to say because oh, okay. I got these stuff. <laughs> it should be short. You go to a wedding and they're like, we're going to toast. Hooray, here's the toast. Man, and you want them to give you milk. Bad. Yes, and mac and cheese. I want them to give me anything. <laughs> I wish I wish I could at least like champagne. That's like the one thing that's like, all right, people, they, like, it's like they give you a tiny little glass and I'm like... I will hold this glass and I will raise the glass up and then I will just set it down on a table or give it to a you want to I'll pour this into your cup and then I will go with the children and have the apple cider or whatever. Like that's that's the of of the alcohols would be the one thing that I wish I could like stomach because even that I'm like, what is this like spicy water that I'm drinking? Like, I don't even know. The only alcohol thing that I've tasted in recent past that uh, actually tasted okay to me was at the restaurant BJ's. They have a like like an alcoholic root beer that tasted pretty good. Oh, there's the yeah. one thing I've that I've had I've... a couple of those. They're pretty good. Yeah. So there it is. There's the end of my thing. <laughs> we'll do a FGP exclusive talking about wine that Andrew might like but probably yeah because he's yeah. crazy but anyway like <laughs> you're I, like not we crazy keep... no I'm crazy it's I'm nuts <laughs> I don't know <laughs> it's also very late uh, so it is. it is very late maybe I'm just I think that's you know... what's hitting us right now yep well, um, let's talk about something hey, else all right so just let's interrupt let's, me how please. about we shift to let's let's shift to the strike I know there sure. was some recent updates. Okay. Uh, tell us about the strike. Let's pivot into that. Where are the, we on the strike? The strike. The strike, as you may know, is the strike of the WGA and SAG-AFTRA uh, in response to the AMPTP's like, stuff they want to do. Um, it seems like at the this exact moment... Uh, the WGA, the Writers Guild of America, has gone back to the table with AMPTP. Like, our AMPTP has come back to the table. So there is some talks going on right now, but this is just in the past day. So as of this recording, there's there's no deal. There's no anything. It's just, like, the start of talks. And so um, speculation is... That for the actors, SAG-AFTRA folks, um, th- they're anticipating that that AMPTP will not come back to the table with them at the earliest when, if, and when the WGA makes a deal. So they've been going for 
as of this recording, 106 days, the WGA. Um, And the writers have been, I think they've just hit 30. I don't remember exactly. Um, Maybe they're not at 30 yet. Uh, This article I'm looking at doesn't have theirs. It's a WGA article. But um, that's kind of the latest uh, that has been released. There's not a ton because, you know, it's all like, closed door meetings and they're not going to like announce what stuff has been, you know, until there's like another like refusal or whatever. I, you know, I don't know. I'm not a bargainer on this stuff, but it seems like something is happening, but who knows what that could mean unless you hear an official thing from either the WGA or a WGA official like person Nothing is to be like, like speculation shouldn't be believed unless it's coming directly from the WGA when it comes to uh, what is being talked about in these meetings. Right. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, it's good news, right? That they're at least going back to the table to negotiate because yeah, hopefully uh, it felt like they were at a stalemate for quite some time and right. the studios didn't want to budge and you know it the value that the writers and actors bring i mean that's what's making them their money right if mm-hmm. they don't have them in there to do those things then they wouldn't be making money um and this is on the heels of um some vfx artists uh basically voting to unionize to become part of iatsi Right. So Mm -hmm. uh, I think the latest on that is the the visual effects crews at Marvel Studios had set a date to vote to unionize. And I think the balloting will be conducted between August 21st and September 11th. But the ballots are going to be counted on the 12th. And, you know, if it's in their favor, they will essentially become a union and be a part of IATSE at that point. So there's a lot going on. Uh, It's weird to me that the vfx artists went so long without unionizing considering they're such a huge part of films and the tv industry and everything uh you know good for them for doing it but it's just so weird that they've went so long not being a part of a union you know for all the work that they do so we'll keep tracking that uh we're hoping to have good news at some point that you know, the studios are going to help them out. They're meeting them at a place that's favorable for everyone. And by everyone, really, we're leaning towards, you know, the WGA and SAG-AFTRA and stuff because, mm-hmm. yep. you know, there's so much we can get into about what we think is fair and what we think isn't fair. But from just from a payment standpoint, the stories that we're hearing from, you know, members of those unions and how much they get paid and how much they don't get paid for projects. I mean, it's heartbreaking to hear yeah. those stories, right? I mean, I don't know if either of you remember or ever watched a TV show uh, called Live and Maddie on Disney Channel or have seen it like on, you know, Disney Plus or anything like that. But uh, Live and Maddie is one of the many shows, like the sitcom-type style shows that, you know, were on Disney Channel and stuff. And for a long time, there was this rumor that Disney Channel shows wouldn't go on past three seasons. 
And I never understood, like, it was just kind of like a joke or like it wasn't really fully understood why that was the case. So Joey Bragg uh, was the older brother on Live and Maddie. And he was recently on a podcast where he was talking about the structure of all of their contracts. And they were made in such a way where he said that the actors would get 88% of scale. And roughly translated, that rounds out to about minimum wage hourly for the actors. Uh, Then, if the show was popular enough, they would get a fourth, fifth, or sixth season. And as part of their contract, you know, they would get more of that money. Instead of 88%, it would get bumped up to like 100%, right? However, Disney Channel, and this is according to what Joey says, right? After the three-season run, Disney Channel would spin off the show you know the same characters would be there the same uh, the the premise would be tweaked a little bit so shows like the sweet life of zach and cody became sweet life on deck live and maddie became live and matt uh, live and maddie cali style you know we saw this with a lot of different shows and it was because it was considered a brand new show. So instead of going into a fourth, fifth, or sixth season with this popular property, they would start a brand new contract under the new sitcom name and go back to getting 88% of scale versus getting bumped up to the higher tier pay. Mm. I remember years ago, my brother and I had this conversation about how the curse of the Disney Channel sitcoms that never went past three seasons or they never went past like past 72 episodes or whatever the case was. And we never understood why, you know, and some of them like we like some of those shows. So to us, it was just confusing as to why they would cancel it or why we got these like weird spinoffs. And now it makes sense. You know, if what Joey stated in that interview is truly how they handled contracts, I mean, it adds to a lot of the negative comments and a lot of the negativity of how business has been conducted. Mm -hmm. And it shows why someone like Robert Carradine, who I think we talked about one or two episodes ago, he was the dad on Lizzie McGuire, was showing, you know, a residual check for zero dollars. When not only was he in every single episode of Lizzie McGuire, but he was also in the Lizzie McGuire movie, you know, which Mm -hmm. are on Disney Plus. You know, they're on the service for you to watch. So the fact that he's getting zero dollar residuals for something like that is just baffling. Right. So and I think the biggest issue that people are having with this whole situation right now is that a lot of services are they're bumping up their prices you know there isn't new content because of the strike and once the strike is over it looks like it's going to take some time to get some of that content ready for the services Mm -hmm. again um andrew i I think you found a table of what the breakdown was like what the prices were gonna be for the services correct yes so this is from tom's guide um, I've used Tom's Guide before for uh, they do a lot of like uh, technology like reviews and you'll see it a lot on like best route Wi-Fi router that has, uh, you know, N router or something or best uh, what, you know, whatever. They usually have a list and Tom's Guide is usually pretty uh, good place to go. But yeah, so this uh, they have a couple they have two lists. They have the base cost of all the new streaming services. So this is like 
whatever the base cost is, it's like with if their base, the cheapest one is with ads or whatever. So it starts out with uh, HBO Max or sorry, Max is sixteen dollars. Hulu with ads is eight. These are the the latest hike prices, I believe. Uh, Netflix fifteen forty nine. Disney Plus with ads eight dollars. Peacock Premium six dollars, which is Peacock with ads. Paramount Plus Essential six dollars, and Apple TV Plus seven dollars. Um, then that goes to the without ads for every uh, streamer. So Max is the same at $16. They don't have an ad tier. Hulu with no ads from uh, $8 to $18 for the, uh, another extra $10 for no ads. Netflix is the same, $15.49 for their standard package. Uh, Disney Plus with no ads is $14. It's 8 with the no ads. Uh, 12 for Peacock Premium Plus, which is the no ads, which is twice as much as a regular Peacock. Uh, Paramount Plus with Showtime. Uh, is again double from the six dollar price is twelve dollars and Apple TV Plus is the same they have no ads either way seven dollars so if you were to get all the no ad streaming services add all those up you would have one two three four five six seven streaming services you'd be paying uh ninety four dollars and forty nine cents um for each one of those and I'm sure some people do like I don't have Apple TV Plus or Paramount Plus. Um, but I have, well, I hadn't, yeah, I have all the rest of them. So that's still not like a insignificant amount of money, uh, yeah. if you think about it. But I mean, I get, it's hard because it's like, basically what all these people are doing is they're just making their cable channels again that they used to have or whatever. Yeah. They're just like, all right, here's the same price as cable. It's like the whole idea of this was to like be cheaper than cable cut the cord yeah. da, 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 da. and now it's the same price i mean i guess you the options that you have are you can just not have some of them like if you don't care about paramount plus you don't have to get it like apple tv you don't have to get it max you don't have to get it like you don't have to get any of these um but and i if i'm not mistaken i haven't looked this up in a while because i have all these services but I do believe that there are still some like free like I think and like you can get the NBC app and you can watch like yeah. the this week's new episodes and like the same thing with like the Fox app or something. I think that is a thing that still exists. Correct me if I'm wrong anybody, but even out there in the land, but uh I think those things still exist. And then I mean, I guess there's always like you could go get a like antenna like tv still exists for free that way too if you really want to if you That's really want to cut everything out you could just get an antenna um but yeah it's you know it's a lot and i mean i guess the biggest thing that you know with with all this stuff you know if i'll go on a tangent on this is they everybody wanted to get into the streaming game because for some, everybody's like, it's making so much money, 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 money. We make all the money, all this money. It's great. And then everybody got into it. And then now nobody's making any money. Yeah. Like the reason that like Netflix originally and Hulu were making so much money is because like they were the only ones in the game. Like they didn't have to make uh, 200 original shows because they had all of the 
licensed material that people just wanted to binge and watch, you know, on repeat, The Office and what have you, Friends and Seinfeld, whatever. People had it. And so, like, yeah, that's something that they had to license, but they didn't have to, like, put in all the work and start a whole company and do all this stuff to make a show. And then you only have eight episodes and da-da-da-da-da. You know, that's kind of why the early streaming made any money for being so cheap is because they weren't creating as much con- like if you think about how much content Netflix creates you know they have kids shows and they have you know cooking Variety. shows and and dramas and comedies and they just have every kind of thing you can and movies and it's just everything is on there and that costs a lot of money at some point it's going to be like this does not add up to like the budget like what you're charging and so that's why they're raising the price i'm assuming but it kind of is like when it comes to like disney plus specifically it feels like there's so much stuff that is not on there that like if you're raising the price like where it where's all the stuff that everybody's been asking for right specifically where's the value? you know where's all the old stuff like the whole like tagline for Disney Plus was like all the Disney stuff's going to be on there like everything you want is going to be on there but everything i want isn't on there yeah like w- they own it all like no you can't tell me that the streaming rights for the original Mickey Mouse Club is like tied up somewhere like you know you can't tell me that the streaming rights for the the Disney TV show is tied up somewhere like the the you know the ones that aired on ABC and stuff at least like there's definitely like hundreds or thousands of hours of stuff that they could be putting on that they just haven't for some reason but what if it is though what if the reason we haven't seen them is because they are tied up in some kind of usage rights where the actors or the families of the actors, like the estates are saying, you know, unless you pay us, you know, we don't want this streamed or something like we're not going to release our, our, you know, face or whatever the case is. Mm-hmm. And what if that's what's holding them back? Maybe that's why we haven't seen them. And considering contracts, you know, weren't catering to these digital services before, which is exactly what SAG-AFTRA and uh, the WGA are fighting for right now. You know, what if that's the case? They might be owned by Disney, but at one point they may have been distributed by somebody else or maybe there was another, you know, there was a production house that was involved in making the show or maybe, I don't know. Like now I'm wondering yeah. if that's what's preventing them from showing the stuff. And so it's not everything we've wanted. There's, I think there's always going to be enough to make people happy, right? Yeah. There's going to be a sure. segment of people that are always going to be happy. And I can tell you, especially when you have kids involved, kids watch the same thing over and over and over. Like you if, don't yes. have to, yes. you know, yep. have so much variety for kids anyway, especially when they find something they like. Think back on when kids were watching Frozen. Like it was the same film 12 times a day for a year or two. Kids are easy. If you bought a a Blu-ray or something, that might be enough. So 
because that's another conversation I think uh, I would like to have is, is anybody still buying physical media? Because one thing I've been actively seeing recently is a lot of films and a lot of like TV shows and stuff like that are just getting yanked off of services Mm -hmm. and we're never like, they're basically never going to be seen again because they were written off as something or because they were, you know, sold off as part of this whatever deal and you know if you don't own the dvds or blu-ray for those and it was something that you enjoyed you're just never gonna see it again it's never gonna be streamable so it's it's weird like i don't know it it makes me just uh it, it makes me back what the unions are fighting against even more mm-hmm. when you see how much money has been made by these corporations and how little is trickling down to the people that are essentially making them those billions. Exactly. Right? Right. So again, I'm glad that there seems to be some kind of movement, but like all these plans that are available, you know, they keep going up alternative services like YouTube TV you know, just went up in price as well. Uh, it's like seventy two ninety nine a month for a little bit over a hundred channels. It's basically cable. It's just cable know? on yeah, the internet. Yeah, at this point. Yeah. And that that's the funny thing, right? Everybody, like, even I was like, yeah, we're cord cutting. We're cutting our satellite. We're calling cable. Like, we're just going internet. But you still got a cable of internet coming into your house. So it's not like you really yeah. cut anything. You just kind of change the provider. Exactly. Uh, and yep. You know, everything uh, from YouTube to Sling to, uh, is it Philo or Philo or something like that? Like DirecTV has a streaming service now where you could just do it over the internet without the satellite dish itself. Um, But they're all up there. You know, they're all 70, 80 bucks a month. And then you can add your premium channels on top of that. You can add DVR capabilities so that you can access TV shows that you want to record over the web later so i don't know what the breaking point for people is going to be because the password sharing thing is a whole other issue that now even disney is saying we're going to crack down on password sharing which for netflix they're saying that they benefited from it that they had new signups and stuff like that but I know that it hurt a lot of people, especially mm-hmm. families where, you know, they have a kid in college, right? Like they're living right. on the dorms or something. Like, why would you pay for two Netflix services if you could just log into the one that belongs to the parents or, you know, one like a sibling or something? Well, and it's that, or it's like there's there's a, a person, a spouse in the military. Yeah, that's another or example. Or yeah. there's, or you're traveling, or you live in a car or whatever, or a RV. Like you don't have Great a examples. home Wi-Fi. You cannot have your Wi-Fi cannot be your phone. Like it has to have like a home IP address. And so like all these people are getting screwed out. It's like you can't have Netflix. Like this is the account, and all I do is watch it on my phone. I'm sure there's some people that if you're a like struggling person that you know trying to save money it's like well maybe you just have a phone for your internet you don't have like internet at home because it's like why have both if you have unlimited data on your phone and it's like well now i can't watch streaming stuff because i don't have a home wife it's it's all just like so much greed and like i've said this before and we've talked you know i think we've i don't know if i've talked about it on the thing but it's like 
there is a point where a company is making too much money. And like, I don't want to sound like a conspiracy theorist or anything, but, or whatever, whatever you want to call me name, I don't care. But there should be a point where it's like, Hey, we made $150 billion in profit or whatever they, whoever, whatever company, this company, it's like, maybe we could take some of that money and then we put it back into the company and make better stuff or like cool stuff. It's like, Hey, shareholders, we made so much money. This should be enough money for you that at some point you have to reinvest in your product to keep standards high and your product involves the people that create the product. And I was reading this thing, like, I guess there's some court thing where it's like, I I think it was Adam Conover maybe shared it or something where they're like, like, this company wanted to do this. Let's say it was like Henry Ford. I don't think it was him, but I don't remember. was like, we're making so much profit. I want to give all my employees raises. And then the shareholders are like, you can't do that. We're the shareholders. That's our money. And so they went to court and basically said, like, the, the company's number one priority is to its shareholders, not its employees. And so there's like this court case oh. that is like, you know, sets a precedent for all these companies to like do this. And it's kind of like bad because oh, yeah. it's like if you are legally obligated to only do what the shareholders say, then you're kind of like stuck in a corner where you can't invest. Like, I'm not going to say all shareholders because I'm a shareholder and it's not what I want, but I got one. Yeah, I got one whole share of the Walt Disney Company stock. So it's not like a ton. But this shareholder doesn't give to uh, sense whether uh, they make $100 billion in profit or $200 billion in profit. Who cares? How about like make your company a company that everybody wants to work at and makes a good product and is like a good working environment and XYZ and does good for the environment and, you know, you know, all these different things like all this money could be going to instead of the like venture capitalist, you know, I guess I'm just sounding like a, I don't know what, but it's like at some point there's too much money and maybe you should take some of that money and do something with it other than just like, like I don't even understand how the stock market works. So I'm not even going to get into that. It's like you own part of this company and then you can like sell part of it. But anyway, I guess I'm just gonna have to go to a class or watch a YouTube video on how the stock market works. seems like a whole big, like uh, just like a Ponzi scheme or something to me, but (laughs) yeah, that I just said enough. I'm just going to stop there. I'm not going to keep talking. (laughs) So the, the one thing that just, I don't, my brain cannot compute or understand. And maybe because I'm probably just not in that world. But if you made so much money, you know, let's say Bobby could have been like, hey, we made all this money. We're going to give you a chunk and we're going to invest in this so that we could go ahead and continue to make more money. I don't understand how they can't do that. Like, wouldn't you be excited to put some money back in investing so that your customers are happy and your customers want to come back and do stuff? Yeah, I'm I'm on that part where the rent with the whole price hike, it's like compared to Hulu or something, 
you're not getting as many new episodes or the shows that they've just recently dropped are not the best. And I could say that because I saw one complete show and I still wasn't happy. So <laughs> um, it, there is not as much value. There is not, com- like I said, compared to like Hulu, Max, Paramount Plus, like everything else. Um, so if they're going to raise prices, it's like, give us something. Don't just raise the price because you have to and because you made a mistake and cost the, you know, the company money throw us a bone here yeah i'm frustrated at the price hikes i really am because it's just it's only one new show practically for us here like that's just exciting and that's it and it's it's kind of like well there should be a couple more shows to kind of be like hey let's go back and keep watching or maybe a show or two that kind of is okay disney get your poop together (laughs) yeah i mean it's not just disney right it's all of the studios that are a part of this right now it's the the major studios that you know the strike is against but you know i always love to give people the benefit of the doubt i do my best to give people the benefit of the doubt i understand that i feel like in the past 10 15 years i've grown as a person I think that's part of growing up. I think that as you get older, you have an opportunity to learn about things and try to correct situations and do your best to not repeat mistakes that you've made. And more importantly, do your best to teach those coming after you a better way. You know, if someone makes a mistake, obviously, it's great to see them trying to correct it. But then there's also like... Bob Iger, for instance, billions of, you know, making millions of dollars. You know, there was the very famous quote that everybody just kind of ran with when he did the interview at the billionaire summer camp. And he was like, oh, you know, what they're asking for is what what was the quote, Andrew? Like he was saying that what the writers were asking for was disturbing. Not realistic is what not realistic. That's what it was. There you go. Uh, that it was not realistic. And then, you know, just days ago, he was quoted as saying, uh, and this is from a Hollywood Reporter article, it says, nothing is more important to this company than its relationships with the creative community. That includes actors, writers, animators, directors, and producers. I have deep respect and appreciation for all those people who are vital to the extraordinary creative engine that drives this company and our industry. And it is my fervent hope that we quickly find solutions to the issues that have kept us apart these past few months. And I am personally committed to working to achieve this result. That's a direct contrast. Like that is Mm -hmm. a 180 you know, essentially from where he was. And if that is truly his mindset, that's fantastic because that's the mindset that I believe he should have, you know, as somebody who can make a decision to really help just people live within their means, you know, be able to get health care, be able to afford rent and food, you know. So if that's the new mindset, great. Let's let's help them out, get this deal made. But if it just turns out to be something that sounds great in a soundbite because the news articles were making him look like a villain all of a sudden, then that's horrible, 
right? Because that's not what they need. That's not what they want. And uh, like I said, I'm you know big fan of Bob Iger for a really long time. I've also stated that there's things that Bob Iger has done that I have not agreed with and I have not been fully on board with. But of everything, this is probably the most disappointing. You know, that if he truly felt like this, this should have ended for Disney a long time ago. You know, and this is not something new just for writers. Like, this is something that even cast members have gone through. You know, I get that, like, the last three years have been full of turmoil and they've been full of unexpected things that nobody ever saw coming. You know, I remember uh, helping with a cast member food drive at one point. Like, why would we have to do a cast member food drive if they were making enough money for themselves? Like, you see what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, it just, yeah, it's hard to not see those things and just not understand why Disney doesn't see the value in their own employees, like their own cast members, regardless of whether they're in the parks or whether they're at Imagineering or whether they're, you know, they're writers or actors. We're fans. We love to see these things. We want to be a part of them. You know, our shows right now are in support of the strike and, there's tons of content for us to talk about. There's a there's a film that recently came out that we've been chomping at the bit to talk about and mm-hmm. we're just not because we feel that you know, we want to help. We want to do our part. Like we're not directly related, but we want to help. You know, and so the faster that these companies can take these words that Bob Iger recently said and really use them to move forward in the strike and to really help the writers and the actors and the VFX artists if they vote to become a part of IATSE and overall just everybody working that's in in the production business of this content that we consume, that we talk about, that we enjoy, mm-hmm. you know, that it's going to be better overall. So, I mean, if we're going to see all these price hikes and it's eventually going to go towards helping everybody that's on the picket line, great. Do I think we need the price hikes to help the people in the picket line? Absolutely not. There is plenty of evidence that these companies have made money to help everyone on the picket line. Granted, I understand that some of these streaming services are losing money. You know, Disney recently talked about how in the second quarter, you know, there was a streaming loss of like $512 million. And uh, there was like the, what, what do they call it? The impairment charge, the $2.5 billion, you know, when they removed all those shows that they were purging from, from Hulu and stuff like that. Uh, so there was an additional loss to that. I I get it. I know that they're losing money, but it all circles back, right? If you keep raising the price, less people are going to want it because they're not going to be able to afford it, especially at a point in time where not a lot of people are making enough money to pay for these services. It even ties to the prices and tickets in the park, right? For a long time, they try to subsidize Disney Plus with money from the parks, but the parks mm-hmm. also took a hit. You know, and people have been very vocal about, you know, the parks not being at a state of like, hey, this is the Disney that I remember thing, you know, sort of situation. So, 
Yeah, I wish there were appropriate words to help the studios and the CEOs and these executives see what they're doing and the essential damage that's being done. But at the same time, they can't be blind to it. Like, they have to understand that there are people out there that are suffering. And again, all I can wrap to is I just, I want to give them the benefit of the doubt. And I want to hope that Bob Iger's recent words are a stepping stone to solving this and moving forward and finding an amount that's equitable, you know, for everyone. Something they can agree on, something that's livable, you know, for everyone on the picket lines and that the studios will still make their money. I understand that they have to answer to their shareholders. I I get it. I'm sure people are out there like saying like, ah, you just hate money. No, I don't. If I could have more of it, that would be great. I would love more. Thank you. But at the same time, there's people that either live in their car, they can't afford rent, they can't afford a meal. Like Mm -hmm. there is something horribly wrong with that situation. It's sad. You know? So I don't know. Again, hopefully it's a good step forward. We'll keep you posted on the changes and you know we're crossing our fingers for a more positive outcome much sooner than later uh all right well um before we continue i do want to remind you that this episode of podcasters is brought to you by a fantastic group of people known as the fgp squad our podcast for your godparents because it's their support via patreon that help make these episodes of podcasters happen uh, for more information on how you can become part of the FGP Squad family, we invite you to go to podcasters.com slash FGP. There you'll find a list of some of our top contributors, a link to our Patreon, uh, a little bit about what the FGP Squad is all about. And being a part of the FGP Squad family gets you a few additional perks like access to some content we've uploaded to Patreon, a special section of Discord, uh, access to uh, happy hour calls whenever we have an opportunity to do those, giveaways, uh, discount codes for new Podcateers gear, all sorts of stuff. As a matter of fact... FGP squad, please keep an eye on your mailboxes. Uh, if you had an opportunity to check the Patreon post that I recently made or the picture I posted on Discord in the FGP channel, you know that you have some uh, a, a little goodie coming your way very soon. So keep an eye out for those. Hopefully uh, those will be delivered soon. We'd love to see you uh, posting photos of those once you get them. Tag us if you post it on any social network. But uh, I was pretty happy ultimately with the design that ended up on the product that we sent to you. And I, I feel like the design itself can be repurposed for other products. Like now that I have them with ev- like with everyone's name, yes, it includes people's names now that i have those designs i feel like it can easily be applied to other stuff so oh yes more to come on that soon (laughs) (laughs) uh so yeah uh more information podcasters.com slash fgp and of course to all the members of the fgp squad we just want to send a huge thank you for your continued support 
Uh, also, quick reminder, uh, this week, the launch of this episode this week, we will be launching our first in a series of auctions to help the Children's Hospital of Orange County, also known as Chalk. We're trying to raise $500 by the end of August 2023. I don't know when you're listening to this, if this is you listening to this in the future, past August 23, uh, 2023, uh, the auctions are done. Uh, but if you're listening to this on release day or release week, the auctions are going on. Make sure that you check out our Instagram for more information. Uh, the first one is going to be a what we're calling a home essentials package. Uh, this was a package that Mel put together. There's a lot of really cool items that she would not let me keep. She insisted <laughs> on the fact that they had to be a part of the bundle that she put together. It was specifically for this. She is forcing me to go buy my own if I want them. Fine, whatever. Okay, I couldn't I even get keep it for myself. I know, <laughs> I know. You made a good point about it. So it's going to be up for auction. Instagram is where you will find that. Uh, to give you just a few details of how they work, we've done these before. We essentially start off with a specific uh, amount. And the first person that wants to bid on that will bid the amount that we're setting as a starting bid point. Then if you want to outbid that person, you reply to them, you reply to their comment, and you increase your bid. So you can increase it, but the minimum increase is $1, uh, but we've seen people increase things, you know, 5 or $10, depending on the item that we are uh, uh, auctioning off. Uh, so then you re respond with the new amount that you are bidding. Then it is the the person's responsibility that you outbid to reply to you with a new uh, bid amount uh, or someone else can outbid you. All they have to do is reply to that last comment and so on. Normally, all of the auctions run for 24 hours. At the end of 24 hours, we let the winner know you know, who it was, we'll reply and we'll say, hey, you know, you were the winner and the amount that was last bid. And then we'll close the comments so that people don't continue bidding on the item. Uh, if you have any questions, please feel free to reach out to us. Uh, the way that we handle auctions is we don't take the money from you. What we ask is that you make the donation using the link that we provide you for the organization that we're raising money for. And then once you, you can send us a screenshot, we'll also get an email saying that you made the donation and the amount that you made it in. Then you give us your address. We will box up your item and we will ship it out to you. Again, if you have any questions, please don't hesitate to reach out to us. We'll be happy to answer any questions that you might have. Uh, the one thing that we do ask is if you are participating in these auctions, uh, we ask that you are 18 years old and that you are an adult that can actively participate in these auctions. Uh, we generally give people 24 hours to pay once the auction has closed to make sure that, you know, we get the donation and we can get it uh, shipped out to you as quickly as possible. If for whatever reason, the person that won is unable to pay, we will give the person that was last outbid an opportunity to pay and then get the item for themselves. Uh, anything else that we want to mention before the auctions begin to go live? Did I, I think I covered everything, right? I think yeah. so. Yeah, you did. 
cool. Uh, so a lot of that information is also going to be on the post. Look out for it on Instagram. Uh, we'll repost it on the Team Boat Willie Instagram account. Yes, Team Boat Willie has an Instagram account. If you're not following, please go follow the Team Boat Willie Instagram. But we got some other surprises. We have some FGP squad members that were very generous and uh, donated some items that I think you're going to love as well. Uh, we're going to be posting those within the next several days uh, as well. I'm super excited. Again, $500 is what we're trying to reach by the end of August. Uh, if you don't want to participate in the auctions, uh, donation is great. You know, any denomination counts. You know, I've always heard like, ah, you know, my dollar is not going to make a difference. My two dollars aren't going to make a difference. It does when 500 people donate one dollar. Mm-hmm. You know, if we we'd be done if 500 people just donated one dollar. So it makes a huge difference. You know, it may not feel like that. But when you clump it together with everything else the community is bringing to the table, you have a feast. Right. You may have a grape or you may have just a bundle of grapes. But if everybody brings a little bit, you end up with a feast at the end. Uh, also sharing our link. That's another great way to participate. Uh, we have chalkwalk.org slash is the donation link for this current fundraiser. Uh, and then finally, the other thing that we're doing to help raise money is uh, I mentioned in the last episode that last year when we were raising money for Chalkwalk and for City of Hope, we made a special edition Team Boat Willie pin. It's gold and black. We only had a hundred of those to sell it was very very limited it was the first time we ever made an enamel pin uh, but we were super psyched we were super happy with how it turned out and we have uh, of the hundred that were made we have less than half at this point um, but if you're interested uh, if you go to podcateers.com uh, you will see a link to purchase one of those Proceeds from the pin sales also go to benefit these fundraisers. As a matter of fact, you know what? I think the last time that we posted it, we had a day where we were donating either $5 or $6 for each pin sold. I'm going to, in advance, let you know, probably, I'll give it maybe a week so we can get people to know that it's coming that way you get the collectible pin, but for 24 hours, I'm telling you in advance before this goes up, for 24 hours, all pins sold, instead of us donating $5, we will donate $10 for every pin sold. 24 hours only. Nice. I will tell you in advance. I will post it on Instagram, on Discord, everywhere, on threads, because you know we're on threads now. Mm-hmm. So you know that the sale is coming but for 24 hours, any pin sold, we will donate $10 for each one of those instead of five. So keep an eye out for that. And yeah, that's it. That's all all the auction stuff that we have. So pretty excited. Keep an eye out on Instagram. And uh, let's, let's hit our $500 goal. We could do this. Hey, I want to briefly touch on some of the Disney games that we've been playing recently. Uh, I haven't had an opportunity to play much of Speedstorm. Yeah, I've been actually talking to our pal Jason over in Florida. If you've listened to the podcast before, uh, super talented glass artist. He works at the Aribus Brothers, uh, both at Downtown Disney and at Magic Kingdom. He's made some 
gorgeous pieces of art with yeah, glass. He He's has. a freaking wizard when it comes to that stuff. <laughs> yep. uh, I've been talking to him about the game and uh, we've been talking about a time for him to come on the podcast so we can just chat about stuff. Uh, maybe we should have him on next week. I'll talk to him, see what his schedule is like. Yeah. And if he's able to come on next week, you know, hopefully we can line things up. But uh, I know he's been speed storming a lot. So I I definitely want to hear more about the game, what it's been like. Dreamlight Valley, I've had a chance to play that. Uh, Vanellope was recently added to the game. It was really interesting because you know how we've had to open doors to get new characters Mm -hmm. you know we do a few tasks and then you know like nala and and simba right they were the last ones to be added i thought vanellope was also going to be behind a door and it was going to open up like a whole like sugar rush realm or like a weird internet like ralph beats the internet sort of realm or something for us it was not that at all interesting uh i'll tell you the premise of the story it's Scrooge thinks there's a ghost in Dreamlight Valley and you have to go investigate the dream castle for that ghost and she's just hanging around on the second or third floor glitching back and forth and you have to go talk to her and then that's how you begin to level up. So there's no door to open. It's an interesting approach to adding Vanellope. The tasks are fun, actually. There were, I think I've had more fun doing the Vanellope tasks and quests to level her up than I did with the Lion King ones. Oh, okay. It just There was a little more story to it, I think. It was just kind of fun the way that it was treated. Uh, I finally leveled her up. The main prize is like her car that they show in all mm. of the trailers and mm-hmm. all that stuff. So... I set that up next to her house, which is like a candy house as well. Thought it was kind of cool. The valley's getting crowded. Not only are we getting new characters, new homes for them, but I I gave in to some of the houses that you could buy, like for (laughs) you. The main house on on my main game is pretty standard. I think I left it alone. I just, I leveled it up a little bit. But in the second game where I finished the whole game that I'm not recording content with, I'm using the castle for that one. In the Forbidden Lands, I have the, the like what looks like an evil version of the castle, oh, you know, as a second too. home up there. <laughs> uh, and then they added like a Lilo and Stitch house that you can have on the beach, which kind of look cool. And I didn't, I didn't need it, but I was like, eh, why not? <laughs> and so I got it. I didn't get the Monsters, Inc. one, um, which I thought may have looked nice when you add it next to like Scrooge's store or Remy's house or Shea Remy. Uh, it kind of fits that aesthetic if you wanted to create like a little neighborhood. But then, yo, look, the best house that they've added so far isn't even a house for the ground. They added a house that looks like Eric's ship. You put that thing in the water. It's this it's a ship. It looks great. Uh, (laughs) I again, listen, I didn't need this ship at all. But does it look cool? Yes. 
Yes. Is it going <laughs> to help decorate the beach? Yes. And mm-hmm. so I, I got it. Uh, I'll have to send you some screenshots or I'll have to post them uh, on Discord. But it takes up a lot of space. It's Where did you guys put Maui's house? On the beach. Are you by the big staircase or are you on the opposite side where it leads to like the forest or like where did you end up putting Maui's house? Oh, by actually between the staircase and the first bridge. Oh, okay. Um, Okay. It's like in a little corner. Okay. Andrew, are you about the same on that one? Mine's mine's next to basically as close to Skull Rock as it can be on the left side of Skull Rock. Okay. In that area there. Cool. So I I have Maui's house right in front of the staircase. Like Mm -hmm. as you as if you're entering the Glade of Trust. And the 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 ship house, like Eric's ship, essentially takes Mm -hmm. up three Maui's houses lined up next to each other nice. in the water. Oh, it is, wow. it's, it's a large piece for the beach. Um, so decoration wise, it looks super cool. Uh, another thing that they recently added that it's cool because it does allow you to earn a few new moonstones and this like new currency that they have in the game, but they have something called dream snaps now. And the dream snaps are challenges on a weekly basis where they tell you, like, decorate your beach with items from Lilo and Stitch or wear specific type of clothes or, you know, whatever the challenge happens to be. And then you set everything up. You use your camera to take a picture highlighting all of the items. And then it asks you, do you want to submit this as part of your dream snap, you know, for the challenge? You could say yes. You could take another one, whatever, you know, whatever you want. If you submit it, it essentially goes into this pool where you can go in and vote on dream snap photos and it will randomly show you two photos side by side. You just highlight the one that you want to vote for. You vote up to 50 times and then you get moonstones and you're eligible to get this like new currency that they have. I forgot what the new currency is called. Um, Pixel something or other. I forgot what it is. Uh, so far, some of the dream snaps that I've seen are really creative. Like some people go all out and I don't know if they're just decorating that like one section for the picture that they're taking for the contest or if their valleys are like fully decked out. We still have a lot of limitations. Um, you know, there's only like 3000 items. I think you can place down, you know, for decoration. So the more you place down, obviously the faster you're going to run out. But uh, yeah. the dream snaps has been fun. There are, uh, some people that are really trying hard to upload photos that are not family friendly. And I think the the Dreamlight Valley mods are doing the best that they can to try to filter those down and finding ways to, you know, remove them from the service. But yeah, I mean, it's so far, it's been a fun little addition. It's a really great way to try to earn a few moonstones without doing a lot. So if you want to be able to buy some of these other things like Eric's house and, you know, these other things that they have in the store without spending real world money, I think it's a really great option, especially considering that they've upped the amount of moonstones that you can get even in the chests. Like you can get a few more you know, through the the blue chest that uh, just kind of spawn randomly throughout the valley. So the things are still expensive, 
you know, they haven't done anything to to lower the prices of stuff. I think that's kind of where they're going to be for a little for a little while. Um, but I'm hoping that by the time that they release the game to the public, that the prices will go down. Uh, I'm still in shock that depending on the game system that you're playing, they cost more or less. I didn't. I thought they were just all kind of the same price until that was brought to my attention. So that was kind of crummy. We probably talked about this before, but I wonder if it's like how much the platform takes. Probably. So like, it's probably like Game Loft is like, I want this much money. So then they just add the like percentage that the platform takes on top of that for the cost. That seems like the most likely scenario uh, because I know Nintendo of all the companies is the most notorious for, you know, playing hardball with some of that stuff. So it's very likely that's the, that's exactly what's happening. So, uh, yeah, so that's been fun. And then the last game that I've had an opportunity to play is Island of Illusion. And this was a game on Switch that I remember seeing uh, the trailer and a little bit of the gameplay for back at D23. I was at the video game panel and they had shown a lot of this, you know, cool new stuff that was coming along. And from that panel, I've had an opportunity to pick up two games, one of which I still have not had a chance to play because I bought it at the same time I bought Hogwarts Legacy and... I was just so consumed by Hogwarts Legacy that I have yet to touch Midnight Suns. <laughs> so Midnight Suns is next on my docket of games to play. But Island of Illusion so far, it's a Switch exclusive game as of the release of this episode. It's a side-scrolling game. You know, it's a back-and-forth side-scrolling game. It's using the animation style of the newer mickey mouse shorts it's you know like the i don't want to call it harsher animation like did they ever give it a name like the new style i don't know it's like the rudish i mean that's like the guy right yeah is that his name i just kind of hit that style yeah so it's in that style but the game overall i have to admit has been pretty fun it's really easy to learn I can't classify it as like a what people would qualify as a cozy game. Like it's definitely not an Animal Crossing or, you know, a Dreamlight Valley, so to speak, because there is a little bit more to do and there's a little bit more involvement with the characters. But what I liked is that it does have different challenge levels. And if, you know, you just want something easy to play, put it on the lowest level and you can have some fun playing it. If you have kids they'll be able to pick it up super easy. Uh, Adults alike, I think, will also enjoy playing the game. Basically, it's uh, the the Fab Four uh, have been summoned to this island called uh, Monoth, I think it's called. What I really like so far about the characters that they meet on the island is that they're really snarky. They're, they break the fourth wall a lot in their conversations. I, I, nice. I love the snarkiness in the game. That's probably my, mm-hmm. like, in the story, that's probably my favorite part. Like, throughout the quest, you end up going out and finding all these collectibles. There's a bunch of, like, memorabilia that you can find that's themed to, like, uh, different cartoons. Like, there's this, like, Steamboat Willie memorabilia. There's, like, Lonesome Ghost memorabilia. Sorcerer's Apprentice stuff. Uh, like making the beanstalk. So all the iconic 
Mickey cartoons are represented in the memorabilia that you can collect throughout the gameplay. Uh, And it just unlocks uh, some cool new stuff for you. Uh, It is voiced by people that we're familiar with. Brett Iwen does Mickey. Uh, Tony Anselmo does Donald. Bill Farmer comes back to Goofy. Caitlin Robrock does Minnie because, uh, unfortunately, several years ago, uh, we lost Rissy Taylor, who who voiced Minnie Mouse for, for many, many years. Uh, but, hey, I, I've had fun playing it so far. It's definitely a game that I've been able to go back to a little bit more, especially because there hasn't been a lot of movement. But I've always been a fan of side-scrolling games. Uh, it's They're some of my favorite on multiple platforms. And this, if you're an old-school gamer that doesn't like a lot of the first-person stuff that's out right now, if you grew up especially on, like, Nintendo games or you know Sega games like the Genesis and stuff like that maybe even Super Nintendo like this this kind of hits that spot right the graphics are a little cleaner obviously because you know they got sharper lines it's a a better game and graphic engine but as far as side scrolling is concerned it's satisfying the gameplay is satisfying uh, there's a couple of controls that I think are a little wonky. The mechanics, especially when uh, bouncing off of certain things, get a little wonky. I don't think it's anything that they can't fix, especially with like a like an update to the game. But overall, it's a fun game. I definitely recommend Island of Illusion. Uh, I hope they release a nice. demo at some point that you can download and give it a shot because I'm telling you the snarkiness of the game is... Uh, possibly my favorite i'm yeah i i really want to give it a a shot once i get some freaking time i haven't been i haven't played a i mean i played a little bit of dreamlight valley just i got a little bit of the vanellope stuff but i think she's only like level three at this point so i've got more to go on all of that but that of all the the other disney games that have come out that definitely is the other one that's on my radar that i want to play yeah have you had a chance to play mel i know you dropped off (laughs) because of all the work that you recently had uh no. <laughs> a lot of my extra time goes to threads now. <laughs> and Monopoly. And Monopoly. Oh, and Monopoly Go. Yes, yes. Monopoly. I put play that's all I play is Monopoly. We're, we're trying problem. to finish those stickers. <laughs> I got two stickers left. If anybody plays Monopoly Go on Discord, let me know. I think we've talked about this before. I got two stickers left that I need. And then I complete all the stickers, and then I get 15,000 rolls. Now, if you don't play Monopoly Go, that means zero things to you. But (laughs) if you do, it means a lot. Well, uh, I'm certainly looking forward to talking to Jason about gameplay. We had a a really good conversation about, you know, playing video games as adults now. And uh, I know that there's probably going to be other people out there that agree with you know how we feel about it, but I'll leave it when he's here. You know, it'll it'll be a conversation we can have with him. So, but Island of Illusion, I recommend it. Uh, Dreamlight Valley, the Vanilla Bequest, super fun, and I hope to get a chance to play Speedstorm soon because I miss it. It's so fun. I it's just I'm telling you, it's Disney Mario Kart. You know, it's got a few extra power ups and stuff like that. It can get a little complicated because they decided to have 2,000 different forms of currency in the game. Uh, I'm kidding. There's like four. But still, you know, there's no additional currency in Mario Kart, which 
adds to the complication, but once you kind of understand the mechanics, I think it's super fun. Uh, one other game that I won't talk about this week, I'm hoping to talk about it next week because I'm hoping to get some of the packs, is Lorcana. Lorcana is a card game that Disney's going to be releasing with Ravensburger very soon. On August 18th, I believe it goes on sale for like small shops. So small comic shops and uh, small places that hold card tournaments and stuff are going to have access to it. They're going to have it for sale. And it goes for sale to the general public at major box stores on September 1st. So I'm hoping to get... Uh, like a couple of the starter packs, learn a little bit about the game. Uh, more information has been slowly trickling out on the gameplay and the premise and the story and everything. I haven't read or like watched anything about it because I was hoping to get the cards to kind of have it in front of me to learn a little bit. But regardless if I can get the cards or not, there's stories about how that's been going recently, which we'll talk about next episode. But I'm hoping to get them. And if I do... Uh, or regardless of whether or not I do, we're going to be talking about Lorcana next week. So if you're interested, make sure that you join the conversation. Give us your thoughts on Discord so we can share them in next week's episode. Uh, so I think that's it. I think it's time to start wrapping up the podcast. So I think it's time to uh, send it over to the great Mr. Andrew for, what are we looking, 8788 this week? That is correct. Nice. So without further ado, here's the great Mr. Andrew. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the segment. It is very late. I'm reclining back, so my uh, voice may have changed. Who knows? We'll see. But the years this week are 1987 and 1988. And as a refresher, as standing in solidarity with the union striking, we will not be covering film or TV currently um until the strike is uh ended or we stop doing this segment hopefully the strike ends first um but so that uh, for 1987 we will start with video games uh, how uh, uh poignant uh video games released for 1987 mickey mouse capade for <gasps> nes love that game um Basil the Great Mouse De- Detective for Atari 8-bit and Commodore 64, and a uh, Lucasfilm game, Maniac Mansion, for Commodore 64, Apple II, MS-DOS, Amiga, Atari ST, NES, and Macintosh. For theme parks in 1987, in January, Eastern Airlines is dropped as official airlines for Walt Disney World. The new sponsor, Delta Airlines, signs a 10-year contract for $8 million. The contract is effective July 1st. Delta will also pay uh, $2 million per year to maintain the If You Had Wings exhibit at the park. On January 9th, Star Tours opens in Tomorrowland at Disneyland. It costs $32 million to create. On February 27th, uh, Tokyo Disneyland welcomes its 40 millionth guest. On March 12th, the Walt Disney Company names Robert J. Fitzpatrick president of Euro Disneyland. On March 20th, Captain EO opens in Tomorrowland at Tokyo Disneyland. On March 24th, Michael Eisner and French Prime Minister Jacques Chirac, I hope I'm saying that right, sign the full agreement concerning the building and operating of Euro Disney. In April, the monorail at Disneyland is now called the Disneyland Monorail and uses Mark V trains. 
On May 5th, Disneyland debuts Disney Dollars, a creation of Jack Lindquist. Uh, Mickey Mouse and Sleeping Beauty's Castle are on the $1 bill, and Goofy and the Mark Twain Riverboat are on the $5 bill. On June 1st, If You Had Wings closes at the Magic Kingdom, and on June 6th, If You Could Fly opens in Tomorrowland the Magic Kingdom, sponsored by Delta. On June 11th, the Disney Gallery opens in New Orleans Square. Um, also in June, work begins on Splash Mountain at Disneyland. On July 4th, Big Thunder Mountain Railroads opens in Western Land at Tokyo Disneyland. And on November 26th, Tokyo Disneyland welcomes its 50 millionth guest. Other notable events of 1987, the Museum of Cartoon Art in Rybrook, New York, exhibits the art of Walt Disney Studio, one of the most comprehensive shows of Disney art ever displayed. Um, Disney announces that it is selling the Arvida Real Estate Company for $400 million to JMB Realty Company. On March 28th, the first Disney store opens in the Glendale Galleria, California. In July, the second Disney store opens on Pier 39 in San Francisco. And in November, the third Disney store opens in Orange County, California. Uh, Disney create uh, also this year. Disney creates the Disney Legends Award program. Fred McMurray is the first to be awarded. Disney begins featuring its television advertisements after great sporting events, where the star runs up to the camera and says, "I'm going to Disneyland." Uh, Snow White receives a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. A hot air balloon shaped like Mickey Mouse, dubbed Air Force One, debuts, and Marty Sklar is named president of Walt Disney Imagineering birthdays for 1987 we have february 9th michael b jordan april 3rd rachel bloom april 9th jesse mccartney september 28th hillary duff october 18th zach efron and november 28th karen gillian um deaths uh for 1987 on april 19th uh, disney legend and one of walt's nine old men milt call uh that brings us to 1988 uh, for video games in 1988, there are quite a few. Uh, Sierra Online releases the Black Cauldron game for the Amiga computer. Uh, Buena Vista Software releases the Who Framed Roger Rabbit game for the Commodore 64 computer. The price of that was $29.95, and the price for the Amiga computer version was $44.95. Woohoo! Um, also released the Mickey Mouse, uh, a game just called Mickey Mouse for Commodore 64, Amiga uh, Atari ST Sinclair ZX81 slash Spectrum. Um, also a, a Donald Duck game for Famicom. Uh, Donald Duck the Hero for Commodore 64. A goofy game called Matterhorn Screamer for DOS, Apple II, and Commodore 64. Uh, the Jungle Book for Amiga and Atari. And The Chase on Tom Sawyer's Island for Apple II, Commodore 64, and DOS. For theme parks in 1988, on January 28th, groundbreaking for the Dolphin Hotel and the Swan Hotel Complex begin in Walt Disney World. On January 30th, the Illuminations show debuts at World Showcase Lagoon in Epcot. On February 13th, the Expo Robotics Robot Demonstration opens in Communicore West in Epcot. On March 19th, Disneyland is host to the first Blast from the Past celebration with a parade, Main Street Hop Show, Super Hooper Duper Hula Hoop event, and the original 1950s and 60s entertainers. On April 10th, America Sings in the Carousel Theater in Tomorrowland at Disneyland closes. 
On May 6th, the Norway Pavilion opens in World Showcase at Epcot Center. It includes the Flording Shop, Puffin's Roost Shop, Kringla Bakery, Og Cafe Restaurant, and the Restaurant uh, Akershus. Again, I'm sorry, I'm probably butchering all those, so apologies to Norway in general. Um, on June 18th, Mickey's Birthday Land opens uh, near Fantasyland and Magic Kingdom, including the Mini Surprise Birthday Party Show. On June 28th, Disney's Grand Floridian Beach Resort Hotel opens in Walt Disney World on the west shore of the Seven Seas Lagoon. It includes uh, Flager's Restaurant, 1900 Park Fair Restaurant, M. Mouse Mercantile Shop, Narcusi's Restaurant, Victoria and Albert's Restaurant, and Commander Porter's Shop. Uh, on June 30th, the Videopolis Railroad Station opens at Disneyland. On July 5th, the Maelstrom Boat Ride opens in the Norway Pavilion at World Showcase at Epcot. On November 23rd in Disneyland, Bear Country is renamed Critter Country, and the Crocodile Mercantile Shop opens in Critter Country as well. The former name was Ursus H. Bear's Wilderness Outpost. Other notable events of 1988, Disney buys 36% of the Rather Corporation, which owns the Disneyland Hotel. Uh, Beernley's also buys 36%, agreeing to allow Disney to run the hotel and develop some land in Southern California as part of the deal. A Time magazine features Michael Eisner and Mickey Mouse on the cover of its April 25th issue for an article on the revival of the Walt Disney Company. Uh, Walt Disney Company acquires Childcraft Education Corporation from Groiler Incorporated for $52 million. Childcraft is a maker of children's furniture and equipment. And the Walt Disney Company forms Walt Disney Computer Software Incorporated. Birthdays for 1988 are February 20th, Rihanna. April 10th, Haley Joel Osment. June 2nd, Aquafina. November 6th, Emma Stone. December 14th, Vanessa Hudgens. Uh, and our deaths, uh, October 25th, another Disney legend and one of Walt's nine old men, Eric Larson. So that's it for this week. Uh, the years again are 1987 and 1988 for great moments with me, uh, Mr. Andrew. So uh, let's uh, go to bed. Well said. That's it. <laughs> That's going to wrap up the episode. Until next time, keep dreaming, keep moving forward, and always remember to pass on the magic. Have a fantastic week, everyone. Bye. See ya. Part of the Podcateers Network.